Hi, listener. Just a heads up. Marquisa and I discuss parents experiencing the death of a child towards the end of the interview. If you are sensitive to this topic, take care of yourself and come back to this episode another time. Okay, enjoy the interview. to Laura Asks About Motherhood, where I, Laura Pruitt, ask my guests about their experiences of being a mom. Today's guest is a lady who is in a place of transition in her career. Being a student is a big part of her identity right now. She is a speech-language pathologist assistant. She's a twin, a lover of books and movies. She has one daughter, Marin, who is three years old. Please welcome this lovely lady who I met in high school, Marquisa Renier. Hello, Laura. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> so did you always know you wanted kids? Um, yes, I would say that I have always known that I wanted kids because I grew up. I have a twin sister and we have three older brothers. So having siblings around, I always knew that I wanted to kind of continue that experience and kind of, you know, help my family grow in that way. Ah, that's so nice. <laughs> yeah I think so how old were you when you became a mom I was 30 um me and my husband got married when we were like 23 24 um so we're going on 10 years and our and our daughter's only four so or going to be four later this year um so we had a good long time to enjoy marriage to ourselves and um, and kind of just do our own thing, traveling, working on our careers. And, and then it just kind of felt like the right time. Ah, yay. That's, that's an interesting point. So, um, I guess, I guess you and I got married around the same time. I got married right before I turned 23. Yeah. Um, 2012 and 2011. Uh huh. Okay. Yes. 2011, 2012. That's when we got married. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people are like, Laura, when, when are you having kids? <laughs> just like year after year. Yeah. <laughs> when is this going to happen? But I don't know. We just, uh, yeah, I just did not, did not want it for a long time. But like you said, now it feels like the right time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, we felt the same way. I didn't, we, we didn't really get pressure throughout um, our That's experience. Good. So I think that's kind of why we were able to kind of cruise for so long because we didn't have any kind of outside pressure. Um, yeah. And I think I, I think I'm, I'm happy with the way that it turned out. Yay. Did your age affect your mothering at all? I don't think so. I think that I'm maybe more emotionally intelligent at this point And well, I guess, I guess I would say yes, that it did impact my mothering in, insofar as like, I was able to have so many more experiences and learn so much more about myself, the world, um, you know, my relationship with my husband. So I feel like I just 
you know, I'm more mature. And now that I've worked in a field where I work a lot with children, I feel like it's just, um, I don't know. I'm more in tune because like emotionally, but also in like, uh, it's like, sorry, knowledge wise, because I have all of this education about childhood development now. Is that part of your curriculum in your grad program? Big time. Uh Big time. That's, that's, that's a major part of it. Childhood development, milestones, um, you know, cognitive things and just how kids learn in general. And so that's, that's helped me a lot, especially in the last couple of years. Yeah, I bet that's going like perfectly along with raising your daughter, you know? And so I was just like, wow, like this, it really landed. I kind of made my career change at the right point in time, I think. Yeah. Um, so in your intro, we said that you are a speech language pathologist assistant. So now you're going to school to, to drop the assistant title, right? Correct. Correct. And the program that I'm doing through Northern Arizona University, I became an SLPA, an assistant. And now I'm in grad, like it's a bridge program from SLPA to SLP. So it's, but it's also a part-time program. So I'm able to work and gain experience within the speech language pathology field. Um, but also, you know, work and get money to support my family. And um, I'm taking classes like part-time until 2024. Summer 2024 is when I graduate. Hallelujah. So, yes. I can't even wait. I can't even wait. My sister just recently graduated. So it's kind of a big deal in our family. And I'm, I'm the last remaining one. And things will be so much easier when it's done. I bet. Yeah, that sounds super busy. Holy cow. Yeah. 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 What was it like to shift to the role of mom? We kind of touched on this. Mm-hmm. Oh man, it was hard. It was hard. I feel like, you know, they say, and it's so correct in saying that pregnancy is a marathon and it's really something that you have to prepare for, but then all of a sudden it's gone. And what you've been preparing for Like you can only prepare for it in so many ways, you know, you build your nursery, whatever, you get your books, but then it's like you have the baby and then sleep deprivation kicks in and just like a lot of self-doubt as well. Do I know what I'm doing? No, I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm having, I'm panicking. Um, Oh my gosh. I remember one time my sister was there and with me and it was just me and her taking care of the baby. But of course I was still nursing at the time and she was newborn and it felt like I was just under so much pressure to be perfect and to do everything correct. And my sister just like, I was like, you know, I was like kind of was coming to a crescendo. Like I was feeling so emotional. Like, I don't know what to do. She won't stop crying, you know? And my sister was just like, they cry, they cry. You know, there's nothing you can do about it and it's okay. And it's going to be okay because that's just what they do, you know? And I just remember in that moment, you're like, oh my God, okay, I need to, I need to calm down. <laughs> I need to calm down because I'm putting so much pressure on myself. So I feel like the pressure, that's, wow, like I wasn't expecting that and just kind of rolling into that because I, I feel like I took really good care of myself during my pregnancy. I tried to 
learn as much as I could about the process and what our bodies go through during just pregnancy, labor and delivery. Um, and I knew and I understood that. And so like, once you have the reality of like, oh my gosh, you're, you're stuck and have the honor and, you know, pleasure of taking care of this life that you've created. Um, but there's also a lot of pressure not to do everything right. Even though they say like, you'll make mistakes, but it's just like, you can't really see that in the moment. Like, I don't want to make any mistakes, you know? I want to do it all right. Sure. So it's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Okay. That is um, really good for me to hear, honestly, because <laughs> I am, that's my tendency is to put a lot of pressure on myself, um, but it, it doesn't have to be that way. And when I was in college, I think that was when I put the most pressure on myself when I was doing my undergrad degree. And I have not been back to school for a graduate degree because I, it was so hard, <laughs> so traumatic. Like, I don't know if I can yeah. go back to school quite yet. Oh gosh. Um, yeah, but it was like such a joyless time, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, it was so hard. So yeah. That- Yes. And it's interesting that you say that because I thought that a lot during, like during those, especially that first like year, like, oh my gosh, I'm not having fun. I'm not having fun with the baby. Like I have my moments where it's like, my thing was like, I just love to like, just be there, you know, nursing or just like cuddling in silence. Like that's, you know, that's the best part of being a parent, right? Just like, oh, taking a nap and like looking down and oh, cuckoo and all of that, you know, so cute. Um, but then like when, you know, I'd have to change diapers or like do nap or, you know, do the comfort, the crying and like give her a bath and like just take care of her and stuff. I just was like, I don't like this. I don't like it. I I feel like I'm very nervous, like anxious doing it. And my, my husband who was like, just so amazing and great. He'd just be like, oh, yeah, like, I like to take her over here, there, where I'm like, that sounds like a nightmare. Uh, I don't, like, no, I don't want to take her anywhere because I don't want to be without my all of my things. And I wasn't able to get, get, like, over that. That's just kind of where I, like, I'm, like, I'm not, I don't think that I'm the mom who really enjoys, like, the infants, you know, and I, like, infant time. Sure, when it's, like, quiet and nice, yeah, but, like, putting them in the car seat and taking them over here and over there just like made me anxious and nervous and just taking care of them in general outside of those like things that came very natural like breastfeeding you know it's like okay this is our special time and I know how to do this really well but I don't know like I don't want to put you in a car seat because I'm gonna mess something up or you know it's just gonna be too much stress for me because I'm gonna have to take it out of the car and I was just like the logistics thing with the baby I just and people are like, oh, I love to travel. And my husband's the same way. I love to travel with her. I love to take her everywhere I go. And like, I hate this. So. Has it gotten easier? I, she's gotten older? Yes. And I realized that this is the age that I like. This is what I've been waiting for. You know, this is fun times for me. Like, I can have fun. I put her in dance class, you know? And I feel like before it was like everything. Jesse was my husband was like, oh, I'm going to take her over here. We're going to do this together. And I felt like they had so many things. Also, he works from home. And so for the first, every, since she was born, he has really been her primary caretaker. Like I just went back to work, you know? 
So this is my time now. Like the, the between the three, four, I'm like, this is me. We can have so much fun. We can talk to each other. We can like joke around, you know, and she's getting like even a bigger personality and she's, you know, expressing her interest in things. And she likes the stuff that I do, you know, she like me and her have stuff in common. She likes the things that I'm getting her into, you know, before I was just like, uh, Jesse, like this is your child, you know, like I fed her stuff, but like, this is really your kid. Now I'm like, yeah, let's do things together. You and me. Because now we can do the stuff that I like to do. I have the biggest smile on my face. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. <laughs> yeah. Because I feel like, you know, some of us, we have better ages, like where we enjoy parenting more. You know, I'm, I'm like just kids that I can talk to is when I have most fun. And like, okay, I don't have to watch you constantly. You're in the other room and I'm not really tripping out. You know, but that first like zero to two and a half, not really my thing. Wasn't really feeling that, <clears throat> and that's totally fine. Um, yeah. It made me think of I'm. I've been listening a lot to a, a podcast about breastfeeding because I plan to breastfeed, and I yes, I've I don't really see a lot of people breastfeeding, <laughs> so I'm trying to learn a lot about it. You know, anyway. Oh yeah. So uh, it's called the Badass Breastfeeding Podcast, and it's really good. But something they say, they say, like in a lot of the episodes, is that you know there are different stages to parenting, and there are different stages to breastfeeding in particular. Like you're not always going to like it, and that's okay. It's going to change, yeah. and you'll pop, you might like the next stage. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. So some things like you get, you're a master. You become a master like oh this was, thing was so hard at the beginning and now i'm a master and i don't even think about it it's like drinking water and then it just transitions to something harder and something different and then you master that and kind of move through i guess i didn't really think about it being like stages before you know you think of stages of development on all of that but really it's like what challenges you're going through too you know like okay i hit this challenge done with that done with breastfeeding you know i did two years um now it's like potty training it's like oh gosh i thought that breastfeeding was hard kind of you know and then you just kind of rock with it and, until it's over yeah yeah wow okay <laughs> cool so did becoming a mom change the way others saw you or treated you Um, probably, probably, but I feel like more so it's like, I became a part of a community. I became a part of something larger, a part, like you kind of leveled up in the human experience, you know, like, oh, now I have kids like so many other people, you know, and now I understand what I see in different contexts. I understand it in different ways. Um, you know, you get, you, you get the jokes, right? It's like these, these types of shows are funny to me now. And I feel like I just gained access to so much more. And so I don't know if people look at me differently, but I definitely look at the world differently. Let me back up and say that in my job though, I feel like having or being a parent is a benefit because I work with a lot of kids who have developmental delays and autism and 
you know, cognitive impairments of different types. And, you know, you got to be really understanding and compassionate and also put yourself in the shoes of the parents, of their parents, the kids' parents, to be able to lend like more compassionate, just understanding. Like you can be so compassionate, but I feel like that understanding just like of how they feel about being a parent and how they feel protective about their child in most instances, like, I feel like that makes me a better clinician. Great. That was my next question. So you said right, right into it. Just how does becoming a mom change the way you um, see or treat others? And it sounds like you just have like more empathy and like understanding. Empathy, understanding, experience that I can draw from and insert into conversation or say like, oh, in, in my experience, this is how it was like. And I feel like you can really open up a lot of a lot of conversations with different people because that's something that, you know, every, every parent is going to understand that, um, that experience. And then just, you know, I don't know. I feel like I've really been enjoyed making like building relationships with moms now more on the mom level because they just get it. And I get it too. Um, so that's been, that's been really nice. Just feeling that kind of sense of community. Nice. Um, was Marin planned and yes or no, how did that affect your mothering or did it? Yes. Yes. Marin was definitely planned. We did the natural fam- family planning where I took my uh, temperature every morning at the same morning. And then, you know, if you're at your temperatures, elevated then that means that you're probably ovulating and just like checking tracking that and planning um according to my cycle and stuff which was really interesting and I feel like I learned so much about myself during that time so much so that I I, like me and my husband were able to like pinpoint the date of conception and like that's not what the doctor's office said but I'm like I know it I know it wasn't that date because that's they're giving an estimate right I'm like I know the date because I got, cause it's, it's a chart that I, you know, I just had it next to my bed. So yes, very planned and, you know, but it was like, we we're planning the whole time. Cause like, you know, we didn't have a kid until we had married, we'd been married for seven years or something already. So I feel like the whole time we are being very intentional. Uh-huh. Yeah. And we just like, oh my gosh, my husband lets me research everything. So big big research guy can't really do anything without researching things so yes it was very planned that sounds like my husband too he has been loving doing like watching youtube videos about car seats and strollers (laughs) it is his jam which is such a load off my plate because i'm like i'm overwhelmed by all the options (laughs) so i'll just let him take over that part and i'm already doing most of the work over here my uh-huh. body is working constantly. Okay. So yeah, you can, whatever there else there is to do, I feel like they can take that on. Definitely. So you mentioned Jesse, your husband. Um, how does having him around affect your mothering? Jesse, if not his biggest love language, it's, I would say it's, it's his biggest love language, but acts of service. He has done so much for me. He does everything for me, you know? And I told him, like, I'm having this baby and 
that's like going to be a lot of the effort that I put in, you know, like, so after it's really going to, I'm going to breastfeed to the best of my ability and everything else is really on you, you know, like you're getting up in the middle of the night, you're, you're doing, you're just, and, and, and he was working from home. So like already he was fine with that. He was so happy to be working from home, to be the baby's main caregiver for that last, for that first um, year and a half or so. He was doing it by himself. And then my aunt moved in with us and she was able to help him. That first year and a half, he was completely solo, you know, and I would just come home at the end of the day and do like breastfeeding and, and just kind of fun stuff. But like, no, I, I changed plenty of diapers, but I wouldn't have had to, you know, if I had just asked if I could, I could say anything and, like Jesse would be like, don't, don't even worry about it. Don't even get up. Don't even move. I'm going to take the baby over here. I'm going to take the baby over here. Da, da, da. I didn't have to do anything that I didn't want to do, you know, cause I, and I, and he would do that for me because he loves me so much, but also because I had already given so much. I feel like we give so much. I could have died. You know, we're all putting our lives at risk for this huge payout. And, you know, a lot of us get to see our babies in the end and a lot of us don't. So, you know, I feel, I feel like I put my life on the line for both of us. And so after that, like, you really gotta, you're gonna have to step up, you know, because I've been doing so much for this last year. Because pregnancy, it's like, yeah, sure, it's nine, 10 months, but no, it is a year. It's a year. And then all of the recovery time after it, I didn't recover until probably two and a half years later. I had all kinds of stuff go wrong with me after, even though I had like, I had a C-section and my birth was fine and everything, but just like the stuff going through our bodies, you know, all oh, the pains, like I had terrible carpal tunnel the last couple months of the pregnancy, keep me up at night, had to get special braces. At the end, after, from breastfeeding, oh my gosh, if I could tell you something, don't do this. Don't do this with your hand. Don't squeeze, like, with your thumb and your fingers, because that will give you a condition that puts a major strain on your ligaments right here called mother's thumb. Mother's thumb. And I got mother's thumb, and it was a, an excruciating, excruciating like debilitating pain right here through your thumb that a lot of mothers get from breastfeeding and from picking up their children like this under the armpits. Don't do that. They say like kind of scoop. You want to scoop as much as possible. Keep your thumb and your fingers together as much as possible. Do not separate them because this is all kinds of strain right here on this nerve. And so, yeah, just given all of that and all of the physical therapy, occupational therapy, acupuncture, chiropractic care I underwent during and after you know I just feel like that's just even more reason for me to be able to kind of step back and take it slow and really have my partner fill in and do most of the heavy lifting but you know also breastfeeding is in, in the, the hardest thing I've ever done so wow. <laughs> that answers your question yeah I know really. that's a lot yeah. Wow. Okay. Let's see if I can go through things as you answered. Uh, one, that is super sweet. Jesse is so sweet. <laughs> oh, that is, that just warms my heart. Oh, I love that. Um, 
too. Uh, I lost my train of thought. I guess it doesn't matter what order I say them in, but I had never, mm. never heard of that before. The mother's thumb. I had never heard of that before because like, I've heard people talk about making like a C hold or like doing breast contra- compressions during breastfeeding um, yes. to help. But yes. that's what caused your issue. Like going yes. like down your wrist and your forearm. Yes. Oh my gosh. Wow. Good it's to very know. Common. Oh, very common. Yeah. Went to the, I had to go to the orthopedic surgeon to get my consultation and he's like, okay, it ended up being that I had to do hand therapy and I got a cortisone shot. And luckily that is what helped me along with the acupuncture. And I didn't have any issues after that, but that was already a year and a half out because I didn't want to do any kind of medical intervention. But he was like, a lot of people get surgery for this, you know, wow. and here's all the kinds of risks associated with that. You know, if I were you, like, I'd probably just go with the cortisone shot, but if that doesn't work, you know, Whoa. So yeah, you know, just so many things that we don't know and the risks that we put on ourselves. And, you know, I had mentioned this earlier, you know, uh, when you first asked me the question, but like, just going back to this, you know, I am black and it was, I so throughout my entire pregnancy, I'm thinking like I could die. I could die. All of us, any of us could die in pregnancy, in childbirth, um, for whatever reason. But like my risks are majorly heightened because I'm black. And so that was, you know, like that's weighing heavily on my entire family and my husband as, as we prepared and went into the whole situation. So it's scary. And we just, it's really hard. And there's a thousand other things that I didn't experience but that other people do experience, you know, because of pregnancy and childbirth. So. Yeah. That was the other thing I was going to say is that, yeah, the U S maternal mortality rate is not great, but especially for black mothers. Yeah. It's Mm. really horrifying. Yeah. So very real, very real fear for you as you prepared and, like, I don't blame you for being like, okay, Jesse, you're, you're doing a lot of <laughs> the day-to-day stuff because I literally put my life on the line. You know, yeah. that's how, that's how we dealt with it. Yeah. Not that I had to tell him to do anything. He's like, let me just do it. Bye. Great. Oh, yay, Jesse. <laughs> He's great. Um, I recently started listening to another podcast. I drive a lot for work. I go from client to client. So um, right, right, right. I like to listen to music, but sometimes I often I like to listen to podcasts. So um, it's called, hmm, it's called the birthright <laughs> podcast. I have to think about it. It's like, what is it? Yeah. And it's, a, it's hosted by this black lady who is telling um, black birth stories, but specifically joyful black birth stories. Oh, important. Yeah. Yeah. It's been so cool to hear about, I'm only a couple episodes in, but it's just like so much joy, even maybe they're giving birth in an operating room, but like this lady was dancing, (laughs) trying to get the baby out, you know, it's so cool. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's, those are important stories to tell. Important stories. We don't have enough good news Mm -hmm. nowadays. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, How does your religion affect your mothering? Okay, yeah. So I this is the question that I was like, okay, this might be an interesting one. Um, I oh gosh, it's very difficult for me to kind of pinpoint where I would 
say I fall on the religious spectrum, but my husband, Jesse, is devoutly Muslim. Devout, like very just in all of the requirements. And he converted to Islam during our marriage. And so obviously, like when this all happened, we're like, oh gosh, like how does that, what does that mean for our kids? Especially if, like, I haven't converted to Islam. I don't have any immediate plans to do that. Um, so obviously that kind of complicates things, you know? Um, and I think that just the type of person that I am, because I do believe in God, um, I just, and I do see a lot of the benefits of, of the Islamic faith and really the beauty in it. I see and appreciate that a lot. Jesse has taught me so much about the religion and just like the people that we have in the community. I've really learned a lot about the religion and it's so, it's so great. So I feel like because of that, and I don't have a specific religion to like, not to counteract, but nor to contribute to I'm and Jesse wants um, our daughter to be raised as Muslim. I've been pretty receptive to that, you know, because I would like her to have that structure, that community, um, you know, teaching those values that are really important and good and just being a good person. And I feel like all of that is important. And I knew that I wasn't going to be able to teach that myself. So I've been, I've been, I've gone along with it. And I think it is, it's really great for her. She doesn't yet identify as Muslim. I don't think she really knows what that means, but she's enjoying growing up in the culture and making all her little Muslim friends and her relationship with a man and stuff like that. So yeah, you know, my religion doesn't impact how we bring her up, but definitely Jesse's. And I just try to go with the flow, you know, I'm not mad at it. So she's a Muslim, little Muslim girl. Cute. (laughs) Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, because you're you're not part of the faith, but it's like such a big part of your household. Huge, huge. I'm here. I'm in the masala, which is the prayer room, which is also the office. And Jesse hired, you know, uh, artists from the Phoenix area to paint on some murals to our like kind of loft area. And so it's yeah, it's very much a place of worship in here and. And Jesse really brings that with him wherever he goes. So, yeah, it's, it, it, religion is is a huge part of the household. Mm-hmm. Well put. Uh huh. Yeah, and that's really cool that even though that's not something that you converted to or have any immediate plans to do, to do so, you're like, I mean, this is our family. We're we're gonna go along with it. Yeah. You know, I want our relationship to work out, and I feel like just marriage is just so much compromise and. I'm not going to be mad at anybody changing, you know, deciding to follow God in a way that makes sense to them. You know, like I just have always thought like, what kind of person does that make me if I don't agree with this religion or, you know, if I try to hold my daughter back from being this religion, you know, like who, come on now. I can't do that to myself, you know? So I feel like I'm, I'm used to it. It's been a long time now, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. Every day brings something new. And as she gets older, you know, it's going to bring some, 
some different questions and challenges, especially in regard to religion and wearing hijab and stuff. So we're going to see. Yeah, but I just try to, I just try not to, you know, I'm just learning and just going with it. Whatever mm-hmm. makes them happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful. How yeah. does your culture affect your mothering? So great question. I feel like, and I have learned in a lot of my classes that culture really does follow the mom, like comes from the mom. You know, there's been a ton of research about that. There's like the cultural carriers from generation to generation, Um, the females of the family, you know? So here in my multi-gen household, it's all women, all black women and my husband. Um, so, you know, we, it's funny, like the religion of the household, right? It's Muslim. We're Muslim in here, but culturally just very, very black. Like Jesse, you know, being a white person, I don't, he doesn't feel like, especially tied to his like American culture, especially now that he's converted to Islam. And so that's really where we come in with the food, the traditions, you know, teaching how to be in the kitchen, teaching how to cook. Um, in my house, we all love TV. And it's like, yeah, we love TV, but we love movies. And we have always loved them ever since I was a kid. Like, it's a big part of family discussion, talking about movies, talking about actors, like, oh, this person was in that. You know, we all have to be able to kind of trace it back and and be intelligent when it comes to, like, film I would say we're all like we've seen a lot and um and like that's what we instill in Marin you know (laughs) like this kind of culture of watching tv as like a family event and um the music we always play music so she knows a lot of Motown songs Aretha Franklin I listen to Aretha Franklin every day when I was pregnant you know and every after and and now Marin knows those songs you know Mary knows the songs that we listen to as black ladies, as black people. So I feel like we all have a big influence on that. And um, we try to make her understand like, yes, she is white and black, but the world will see her as black and we see her as black. And so she'll be like, we're teaching her how to be black, you know, and just being very intentional about it as well. Um, I'm also I would say me and my sister especially are also like just very aware we try to be intelligent about the language that we use and talking about identity a lot you know and already like we are teaching her her identity and how she will change that over time Um, and that's you know another part of our, our culture that we have to pass on like being proud of who we are you know, when other people don't like it. And I just, yeah, just trying to be really intentional about teaching her about our blackness. That is so beautiful. That, that is really interesting. I I mean, I guess it makes sense. Like when you say that culture is passed through the mom, like the female, like matriarch in the family that, that like clicks in my head. But it also like I feel an extra. I don't. Pressure is not the word. I guess like responsibility, weight. Mm-hmm. As a white lady married to a black guy, 
raising a black child, you know, yeah. I'm very aware that I'm white, <laughs> but I'll be raising yeah. a black child. So yeah. I, like, I really don't want their world to be whitewashed. You know, I really want them to have exposure to blackness and black people and stuff. And like, obviously, well, you know, this child will have my husband and his family, um, but none of his family live anywhere near us, you know? <laughs> so yeah. it's just like trying to find community. community. Uh-huh. And if you seek it out, you'll find it, you know, but it's just being intentional about that and being okay with, you know, that happening. And it's funny that you say that because of course, oh, this whole time I'm thinking your husband's black, your husband's black, but I wasn't really thinking about the identity of your child is saying that. So that's, that's so funny. And that we're like, I mean, complete we're our so couples flopped. are like, yeah, exactly. Um, so that's so funny. I wasn't even thinking about how, how you might also be teaching you know, your, your child to appreciate that too. Um, and I feel like, yeah, in, in that instance, you know, there's so many people who have lost their heritage and just haven't learned so much about themselves because no matter who their parents are, if we're not being intentional about it, you know, and they, and especially if they don't have that community, like you can really lose that. So it's great that you're paying attention to that. And I feel like we live in an area where you will be able to find that, you know, you're going to have to be intentional drive outside, but like, you know, dance class. I feel like there's so many things that you could do dance class sports in the black neighborhood or whatever, you know, that they would, at least he, he has that exposure taking him to the barber shop. You know, it's like, we understand that to be a big part of the black experience, especially if you're, um, if you identify as male. And so, yeah, just, you know, if you're trying to be intentional on this thing, like, there's so much that we have to do. Um, but if we, but if we don't think about teaching them then this, a lot of people do end up being like very jaded and bitter about not being taught about it, about not having a choice, or, you know, about not feeling too much of this group and not too much of that group either, you know. So I do think it's important that we teach them about both sides, like their white side for sure. But um I just feel like I don't know at least for me like my culture is super important for my daughter to know yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah yeah it's just it's a lot for me to think about <laughs> and uh, yes but you have yes you have the resources you have the you can get the community here but yeah I think you'll be it might be hard that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. You I'll, seem I, determined, though. You're, yeah, I know you. You put the pressure on yourself to do the right thing. So yeah, yeah. I anticipate being uncomfortable, but that's okay. <laughs> and just growing, and you know, making mistakes, and trying to you know help my kid. You, you know, I try not to watch a whole lot of news, but mm-hmm, there's a lot of like really awful things that white people do. <laughs> Oh. And I'm like, you know, it is I, going back to the idea of like joyful birth, you know, just want to have joy in, in my kid being black. You know, it's, it's a great joyful thing. It's a happy thing. It's a great joyful thing. He should be carefree. Yeah. You know, he should be comfortable. Yeah. And so, yeah, sometimes you, you will have to go out of your way to provide mm-hmm. that. So. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, it's better than the alternative of not teaching you about their identity. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. So you mentioned you're in a multi-gen household. Your mom lives with you, your dad's sister, your aunt, your sister lives with you and your kid, obviously. So you got all these generations. Um, what is your relationship like with your mom? Yes. Okay. Yes. I did see these ones. Um, we have a, I think that we have a really nice relationship. Um, my mom, I would say is very, can be very like insular and to herself kind of. And so the setup of our house is she's able to do that. She has her own like little suite, you know, so she can get away when she needs to. Um, she's fine with me making all of the decisions about things, me and Jesse. So, you know, I don't want to say like kind of this shift of power or roles or dynamic. But definitely, like we talked about it before moving in with each other, um, like what, who's going to be the boss kind of a thing. And we have a very like collaborative relationship, but somebody's got to call the shots. You know, there's got to be a shot caller. And before we moved in together, we decided she let me, she was like, you can, you can make all the decisions, you know, kind of a thing. So as, as far as the household goes, um, like our roles and responsibilities are pretty clear, which is helpful because we also are raising this child together. Um, and so, yeah, she, you know, she, she really does embody the typical grandmother with spoiling and treats and TV and cartoons and, you know, all the kinds of luxuries <laughs> that a, a grandparent can give. Marin has it here on demand at all times. And I feel like that is great for her and I want her to have that, but obviously like it will get on my nerves. It does get on my nerves. And we clash. Like I would say, I love living with my mom. I love having my mom live here with us and the clashes continue, you know? But we have like a good enough relationship where we're able to talk through it, especially like me with my communication training and stuff. like and my emotional intelligence, I feel like I'm really able to work through a lot of things, just being very like direct, but also compassionate. And I like to talk things out. I like to talk the art issues out, especially the ones that I have with my mom, like any arguments and stuff. I like to talk them out with her. Um, so we have a good relationship, but yeah, like she definitely needs a lot of like alone time. And I think that I do as well. So it's good that she can kind of get away and I can get away too. Best of both worlds, really. Unlimited access with plenty of opportunities for a long time and time apart from each other. That's great. It sounds like you have pretty clear boundaries with each other. And when they're not super clear, you can talk it through. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And she's just helped so much um, raising Marin, so... That's so sweet. It's just the best. Yay. Oh, that really warms my heart as well. Like your whole family really is coming together to help raise this sweet little girl. Oh, mm -hmm. yes. And she's incredibly spoiled because of it. She's had so much adult input, you know, just in constant attention from all the adults, you know. <laughs> Good for it's her. It's not a bad thing. It's not, you know, it's not a bad thing, but I think it'll show itself in the next few years. That 
it kind of answers one of my questions is how does your relationship with your mom affect the way you mother? You know, I feel like, well, I try, you know, oh gosh, this is, this is a hard one just because I had such a different childhood from Marin that kind of hard to say, but I feel like, and I, and I mean, and I mean this in the best possible way that, um, you know, we try to improve upon our previous experiences. And so I know that there's things that I didn't like about my childhood and I'll try to like be very intentional about them now, you know, like activities and providing our activities. And so we didn't really, we didn't really have any opportunities to do that, to do like sports and hobbies outside of the home. Um, so I try to, you know, I just try to provide like a different experience for Marin. Some things that I think that I missed out on, I try to provide this for, for her. So I guess in that way, you know, my relationship with her and kind of how she raised us affects my parenting, but also my mom is such a worry wart and she has been her entire life and our entire lives. And I remember being like, God, you're such a worry wart. Gosh, you, you're just worrying all the time about like stuff that's like not even gonna happen. And when look and when lo and behold, I'm doing the same thing. I'm doing the same thing. I am extremely cautious. I would say I'm an extremely cautious parent. My mom is too. Even, but I'm not as as cautious as her because of the the influence of my husband, who is not a cautious parent in any in any way. I would say not in any way. And so there's still been a lot of clashes between like me and my mom and Jesse, you know, like, Oh my God, why did you let her climb that ladder or whatever, you know? So it's been, it's been interesting. Um, but yeah, just like trying to do better and different things for her, mm-hmm. but also realizing how much I have become my mom. Uh-huh. You know, it's a kind of a tough pill to swallow, but also good. Like I see really good qualities, but also it's like, dang, here are those qualities that I was really annoyed with when I was a teenager and look who has them. Yeah. You're going to be the annoying one. You will be the one that you'll, or they'll have to explain things to. And you're like, I just don't get it. Or, you know, whatever it is, whatever the technology will be at that time, we're too old to figure it out. But our kids are like, like why aren't you getting this you know and i feel like i'm just like it's just gonna it's gonna pay me back at some point oh once you became a mom how did that change your relationship with your mom or did it i'm able to understand her so much more um i didn't realize how mean I didn't realize how mean I was to her before I had a kid. Now I'm like, oh, okay. I understand how you feel. I understand why you're feeling like that. And I feel like that too. I feel like there's just been so much more understanding between us and definitely from me to her because I can be not very nice to her if I'm really annoyed, like how I was talking about. So I feel like I just understand her so much more. And oh my God, breastfeeding, Laura. If you're able to do it, it is just so rewarding, but it's also the hardest thing 
that you may ever do. And my mom, and so I went through the Bradley birthing classes and they did a whole unit on breastfeeding. And my mom was actually there with me for that class because Jesse had to go and we were talking about it and it's so hard. And she, and then they're talking about tandem nursing for people who have twins. And she's like, she's able to like lend her experience to the class, but I wasn't really able to understand it until I had a kid and I have, and I breastfeeding one child that how horrendous, how horrendous it would be to do to just demanding, um, physically taxing and exhausting emotionally, just painful. I mean, really just some great times. Also you get like, you know, those endorphins, but just gosh, you know, just really, really horrible. The, the plugs, mastitis, the, just the sores, like, oh, so I remember thinking like, good Lord. Okay. I understand this woman's pain a lot more in her experience of just being a mom and like how strong she is that she was able to do this for two babies when it's nearly impossible for me to do one. Wow. Well, I guess that's something I have something to look forward to. <laughs> Breastfeeding is great, Laura. It really is. But also, ouch. Uh-huh. Wow. Okay. Well, now I know to avoid separating my thumb from the rest of my hand to avoid that Don't mother's thumb. Yeah. Don't do it. Good tip. Thank you. Mm-hmm. What is something that has surprised you about motherhood? Um, so I would say that I'm not a crier, not a crier. And I've always like, just been able to control my emotions, I think. But boy, when I became a mom, it was like, oh, okay, this is why everyone cries at the drop of a hat, or, uh, you know, at the Hallmark commercials. Um, or some, you know, any commercial, I, I would never, not ever cried at those. And not because I didn't see like what everyone else saw, I just like didn't elicit that response in me. Um, but now like that has changed a lot and I wasn't anticipating that. I felt like I would be more compassionate and understanding, but just like not able to control my tears as much has been really surprising and you know, I had talked a little bit about the connection and community that I feel like I've accessed now that I've become a mom, but um, I'm able to just understand things on such a deeper level now that I'm a mom and I have that like level of feelings, you know, having grown a child in my own body and then raised that child and fed her from my body all that stuff, it just gives you a really, like, I don't know, a deep, a deeper sense of human connection, I think. And so I, it's not that I didn't, and well, I guess I I didn't anticipate it, but I also didn't really think about how, like, my feelings would be impacted. I feel like there's always, like, a caricature of a pregnant lady on TV who's just, like, trying at the drop of a hat and everything and that's not how I was in any way I understand that that's kind of how it can be for some but um now I'm that person like I will just start crying at something because because I'm a mom now 
you know, I, and I don't, I don't know, especially why, but just like, maybe I'm just, I understand human connection more. So like those happy commercials really do impact me. <laughs> so. That's kind of sweet. Yeah, I think so. I'm like, I wasn't, I didn't know I was able, like I capable of, capable of this level of feeling for someone. And, but it feels like the most natural ever you become a mom but it's just like every everything changes and you see yourself as a child and it's just like wow we have this really really nice connection hmm. yeah what has been hard about motherhood losing myself having to forget about myself having to put myself last um not prioritizing myself no matter what like uh it's just you know it's what you got to do it's not about you anymore I think coming to terms with that and realizing that I'm gonna have to sacrifice and I don't get to do everything that I wanted to do like fun wise pleasure wise things that I would do by myself there's just so much sacrifice and sometimes it'll feel like sacrifice. Other times it's like, okay, well, this is just life now. And I don't really feel like it's sacrificing, but it is a sacrifice and you just, you become more, but I feel like you lose a little bit of yourself too um, because you're not able to do the things that pre pregnancy you did or felt or had the luxury of doing private time not having to get up early, not having to get this child dressed and brush her teeth and brush her hair in the morning, you know, just like having nothing to do. Having nothing to do. That's something that I miss a lot. But, you know, we try to find ways. It's just a compromise. Like, I'm able to do that, especially because I live in this multi-generational household. If, if I need a break, my people have me. You know, my people be like, don't even worry about it. Like, go take a nap. You know, and it, that is a very big luxury from living in this multi generational household. And something that I do not take for granted in any form. So, because we live in this in life in this household, I feel like you know I'm able to share the responsibilities of parenting a lot more, and and that's been really nice. Yeah, that's great. It sounds so supportive. So supportive. So supportive. It's the best. Yay. Yeah. What about motherhood brings you joy? Oh, you know, a lot of times I will just take the time, especially if I'm taking care of Marin by myself or like, you know, we have our morning time or girl time or whatever. I will just look into her eyes. I will just look into her eyes. This, and, you know, when I was breastfeeding her, I would just like look at her face and try to memorize everything about her face. You know, just like, oh, this is, this is me. I feel like, you know, she's a mini me. Everything, like, we don't even, like, we definitely look alike, but it's just like, even if she didn't look like me, I feel like I would just be like, this is you. It's little you. And you have to take care of little you to the best of your ability. And also just take the time to memorize your face because, you know, Laura and, and you and I, we both face tragedy in our lives and, I feel like I look at her and I, and I make it so much more intentional that I memorize everything about her face because what if something were to happen to her? And I'm not naive enough to know, to, to think 
that no, nothing's never going to ha- nothing's ever going to happen to her. You know, I don't have that. Like, I'm always worried that something's going to happen to her. So I just take that time as much as I can, especially as she's being nice because she's not always um, to just like look at her little feet and her hands and her legs and like her butt and her chest and her neck and her hair and her forehead and her nose. And I just try to memorize everything. I smell her hair and I just try to memorize the moment, the, the, the way it smells, but also just the moment that we have together you know, and that those are the moments that I really cherish, you know, just knowing that it's not always, and, it, and whether or not anything happens to her, it's never going to be like this again. This is our one moment at this exact time. We're never going to get the moment back. And I don't know how much, how much time we have together, you know? So I just try to just take advantage and just be all up in her face. Maybe that's not the right thing to do because <laughs> like, she's like very spoiled with like physical attention, but I feel like I need that from her, you know, just kind of a reassurance that like, oh, you're okay. And like, you're happy and just you're mine. And we're, we're together in this moment, you know? So I've really, tr- I've, I've really enjoyed those moments and I try to just have as many as possible. So that's really what I've enjoyed. That is so sweet. Aww. Yeah, it's sweet and it's sad. It's sad, but you know, I just don't want to look back and, and be like, oh, I didn't take the moment to like realize that she has this like little mole on her nose or, you know, whatever. She has a dimple right here, you know? Like, I want to be able to remember all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you referenced tragedy. Um, part of the reason why I did not like I, I physically could not imagine having a child is as Jenny, she, um, our friend Jenny from high school passed away eight years ago now, as of yesterday of, of this recording anyway. Mm. Yeah. And just like seeing her, her mom after her passing, you know, it's just so it was like, yeah, yeah. Like shook everyone to their core, obviously. But I was like, can I? Would I be able to handle that? I don't know. And that's the question, Laura. That's the question that I think about every single day. I think about it every single day because my mom, you know, we live in this house together and my brother died in a car accident a couple years ago on Christmas Eve. And she's just shattered, you know? And so, and I, said this out loud like if anything were to happen to my job like I just wouldn't be able to I wouldn't make it I wouldn't make it and that's how I feel like everybody feels and maybe you don't feel successful I know so many so many parents who are survivors of child loss because of that group that you introduced us to the compassionate friends um you know we're big into that community now um and I just think like oh my god I just don't think I would be able to do it you know but People are out here doing it. And are we to deprive ourselves of of motherhood because we're afraid of something happening to our child? Like we can't do that, but it's just like a a hyper awareness. Yeah. Yeah. And that's eventually what I came to was that um, I can't control what's going to happen to my child's life. I I won't be able to control my child. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> like to some, you know, to some degree discipline and like, you know, trying to mold them as best I can and make, help them become a, a good citizen, whatever. But 
they're going to be who they're going to be. And the world is going to be the world. And I, I just have to do the best I can to provide and, and be, you know, there's their safe place. But uh, yeah, that is, like you said, hyper aware of the reality that something tragic could happen to this child. Yeah. That's terrible. It's really, really, but I just like, it's just, a, you know, we coexist with our grief, you know, mm-hmm. and just, we can't let it hold us back either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's kind of like a dance sometimes. Yeah. Just trying to learn how to ride the grief wave because it mm-hmm. doesn't go away. It's not like I'm ever going to quote unquote, get over Jenny's death and you're never going to quote unquote, get over your brother's death. It's just part of life now moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I try to honor him as much as possible as a parent. You know, we say, we talk about him all the time. We talk about him. I, in my little prayer that I say to my daughter every night, I mention him, how much her uncle loves her, you know? And so it's just like, oh God, what an incredibly tragic, just losing people important to us. It's just really the worst thing that can ever happen. But we just try to honor their memories by doing something that they would have liked and that they would appreciate. And, you know, just making sure our children know about the people. You, you know, I'm sure you'll teach your little child about Jenny and how much she meant to you. And we have uh, we have Akeem all over the house here, so she knows exactly who he is. Mm. That's so sweet. Yeah i I was feeling really bitter at one point at the fact that Jenny was never going to meet any of my kids, and I was, I, I mean, who knows how many kids we'll have? Maybe we'll just have the one. Maybe we'll have more. Right. I can't predict the future, but right. Um, it, I was like so upset, you know, that's a part of grief. I'm like grieving all the lost opportunities with this person, you know, Exactly. but um, at one point I realized that everyone's spiritual journey is different, but in my particular belief, I believe in life before birth and life after death. And so I just felt so calm and reassured one day when I was journaling to Jenny that she already knows my kids and she's hanging out with them and they're spending time together now. So like, as my body is physically preparing for this baby to come earth side, Jenny is with them spirit side. That's beautiful. And it's on the, believe the same type of thing. You know, we're all souls and we meet each other before the life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's beautiful. That's, Yes. What a great way to remember her and honor her and include her in your child's life, you know? And just the terrible thing is that we'll have to include more and more people, mm-hmm. you know, in our honoring, in our, in our remembrance and um, the way we honor people as we go. And that's just mm-hmm. a part of life, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. We just lose more people as we go. but. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just hopefully bring forth life as well. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so sweet that that's part of Marin's upbringing is like the awareness of loss and the awareness that she has other family members that she doesn't know physically, but she can connect to spiritually. That's really sweet. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Hmm. <sighs> heavy yeah yeah but i really appreciate you being open and talking about your brother and 
and allowing me to talk about Jenny. It's so oh, healing. Of course, Laura. Of course, Laura. Oh my yeah. gosh. This is because of you. We joined that community and I don't know that I would be able to talk so freely, open and honestly about our experience if it hadn't been for that group, you know, and just meeting so many other people who are in the same situation as our family, you know, there's a lot of comfort in that. And so just always thank you for providing that opportunity to us. And we have provided it to a lot of people that we found who, you know, Uh joined the grief journey after us. Yeah. You know, so yeah, yeah, it's great. And just life and death, you know, we're talking about motherhood. We also have to talk about death and loss and, and grieving and, you know, because a lot of people have the journey, the motherhood or parenthood journey is intertwined with loss. That's true. Know? So it just makes sense to talk about it together. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very good point. Yeah. Uh, for the listener, if you don't know what the Compassionate Friends is, it's a group for families who've lost a child, like parents who have lost a child. Yeah. And they have like a sibling's part of the group as well. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so Jenny's parents, they're like, you know, it's, it's the club no one wants to join is what they exactly. say. Yeah. That's, that is, that's the compassionate friend. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's a great club too, you know, just all that support that you find, but no one wants to be there. Yeah. Yeah. So switching gears a little bit. Yes. Please. What, what advice would you give someone like me? who's getting ready for motherhood and you've sprinkled blots throughout as we chatted. Oh my gosh. Just try not to take yourselves too seriously. You know, try to enjoy those moments of complete and utter frustration of anger of like resentment, you know, just try to like tell yourself that it's not that big of a deal. You know, it's like, oh my God, I don't want to be changing these diapers. Are you still pooping? Like I just changed your diaper. Oh my gosh. And you're exhausted. And just like, just try to laugh. Just try to find like something funny in it because just being all stressed out about it, it's only hurting yourself. And you don't want to show that to your child either. Who's just having like a bodily function reaction so much to like, you know, the first year, six months of uh, motherhood is like, caring for those bodily functions because the nurturing stuff, you know, for me, for a lot of people that comes naturally, you know, no problem there. I got you on the, the nurturing kissy, kissy cuckoo part, but like the changing the diapers, you know, the breastfeeding, just, I just try not to get upset, or especially as a child, you know, the child's a master. They brought into the world and, and you're like, I did. And why did I, <laughs> I feel like there's just so much self doubt that comes along with it. And so just believe in yourself and your power to want to provide a good lifestyle for your child, a good upbringing filled with love and compassion, but also educate your child, you know, Oh gosh, just in motherhood and parent in general, if I could say something from my experience in education, Read to your kids, read to your kids, read to your kids, read to your kids, talk to your kids. When you're walking across the kitchen, holding your child, tell your child what you're doing. I'm walking across the floor. I'm going to go to the refrigerator and I'm going to open it up. 
and I'm going to get something out of it to drink. Oh, this is milk, whatever. Okay. I'm just seeing it so much in education and with these kids that I serve that their parents do not know to give them language input. And you got to be intentional about it, you know, because no one wants to be like, oh, I'm just walking over here. Da, da, da. No, but that's what they need. So both from the mothering and the educator side, like just read to your kids and have fun and build that like relationship with books and print. Um, but also don't take yourself too seriously and have lots of fun with them. You know, be silly if you're not a silly person. Be even sillier if you are a silly person. You know, I just feel like and I don't feel like I'm a silly person in any way but I don't take myself too seriously. So I also like, I've really pushed myself to like have fun with her. And even if I'm like, Oh, you're not doing this right. Or whatever. I'm just like, why am I just let it go? You know, just have fun. Cause you don't want them to see you as like the person who reacts in anger. If you are angry though, like if you could tag out with your partner, if you can like do that, you know, like I can't, I can't. And I provide that to Jesse all the time and vice versa. Just try to keep your sanity, you know, help your partner help your partner out because at least in our situation for most part it's like if i'm up here he's down there if i'm if he's up here i'm down there and we can kind of like tag tag in and help each other so try to be a good partner understanding um one thing if i can say when those first like six months and when we were like sleep deprived me and jesse Having been married for such a long time, we were like such solid partners. We were snapping at each other all the time. Snip, snap, like all the time. But it, I think we both realized that it was just because we were tired and <laughs> didn't know what we were doing. You know, it's like this doesn't have anything to do. And like the next minute will be totally fine. But like that's something else that I wasn't expecting. Like definitely like, you know, we're like kind of snapping at each other but also letting it go because we just need our moment of like frustration to the person and the other person can take it without you know dwelling on it and we're able to move through it so definitely our relationship has been tested uh-huh thank you yeah i really appreciate that that is a good to be aware of and just like if i feel like troy's being snappy with me i'll just you know let it go <laughs> and hopefully like, you can snap at him later and maybe yeah. you snapped at him and you didn't even notice yeah you know but he was like i'm gonna let that go laura <laughs> uh-huh. oh yeah great well so many gems thank you yeah thank you yeah um marquisa this has been so great thank you so much it's for chatting so with me yeah uh, is there anything else you want to add mm. I think motherhood is definitely one of the best things that's ever happened to me. Mm. Um, it's good and it's bad, but all things in life worth living and worth doing are, you know, good and bad. So I don't know. I guess that's, that's kind of what I'll leave with, but it's really such a great thing and, and you can really make it your own. And I think I've, I've enjoyed like making motherhood my own and being able to do the things that I want to do with my child and teach her, I'm able to do that. Um, so yeah, that's, that's been really fun. Beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. 
Marquisa, thank you so much for chatting with me. I smiled when you referred to my unborn baby as he, because so many people think this baby is a boy. We're waiting till baby is born to find out, so it is very possible this baby's a boy. Most people think so. Anyway, thank you for sharing so openly about your life and experiences in motherhood, and thank you for sharing about your brother Akeen and how you honor him and incorporate his memory in raising Marin. Again, thank you for talking with me about Jenny. The anniversary of her passing was on May 26th. I don't know what it's like for you, but the 26th of every month is a reminder of Jenny's passing, and I reach out to her parents on that day each month. I didn't realize that Akeen passed on Christmas Eve, which seems like such an emotional day to lose a loved one. For the listener, Marquisa, her sister, and I chatted for a bit after the recording, and they shared that they still celebrate Christmas, and it has turned into something different and new. If any of you are curious about the Compassionate Friends, or if you know anyone who could benefit from this support group, you can learn more at CompassionateFriends.org to find a local chapter. The link is in the show notes. If you would like to come on the podcast to share your experiences of being a mom, send me a message. Or if you know someone who'd be interested in being on the podcast, send them my way. I'd love to chat. You can reach out to me on the Laura Asks About Motherhood Facebook page or Instagram account. Please subscribe, leave a rating and review, and thanks for listening.